Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Philemon. The New Testament book of Philemon. Philemon is an often overlooked New Testament book, only one chapter, and it's squeezed in between the book of Titus and the book of Hebrews. So if you wouldn't mind to turn to the book of Philemon, of course, we're going to show tonight or this morning how the book of Philemon directly ties in to the context of the book of Colossians. So because of they're so closely related, it's important for us to kind of take a pit stop, see the context, see what's going on, how these are related. We can tie these two books together inside of our minds. The book of Philemon right before the book of Hebrews, the book of Philemon. And if you don't mind, let's begin looking, starting at verse number one. Philemon, only one chapter, starting at verse number one. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. And to our beloved, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Apica, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast had towards the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may be effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee, which is that which is convenient, yet for love's sake, I'd rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I begotten in my bonds, which in times past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him that is mine own bowels. Whom I have would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered to me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind I would do nothing. That thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou should receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but now much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And if thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. And if he hath wronged thee or owed thee aught, put that 
on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand, and I will repay it. Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self beside. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I write unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do it more than I say. But withal, prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I might be given unto you. Therefore salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, um, with your spirit. Amen. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark two words inside of the book of Philemon? The book of Philemon in verse number 11, notice two words that I want to connect together. Notice that it says the word unprofitable, but notice now what he is as in verse number 11, profitable. So notice this, we're going to study the book of Philemon and we're going to see this one person we're speaking about, Onesimus, that he went from unprofitable to profitable. Unprofitable to profitable. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you now, we're just asking that you would give us grace and mercy. Help open up this wonderful book in its context, that we could open it up, that you could unlayer it, that we could see for ourselves what a great God that you are, and that you could take any single person that starts off unprofitable, and through your grace and mercy, through your miracle working power, you could transform someone to be profitable. Thank you, Lord, and we're just asking that you would draw people to you. I'm very conscious of my need of you even now. Fill me with your spirit that you could get your own work accomplished this morning, and we love you. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, if you don't mind, let's just start off telling the story in its context. We know that in the context inside of Philemon, that the church was the church of Colossae. That the Apostle Paul had never started the church of Colossae. He was inside of the church of Ephesus. And while he was at the church of Ephesus, he began to run a Bible institute, a Bible college. And there he began to train men and women for the ministry. These people would go from Ephesus and they would go transport to various places throughout Asia Minor, which we would call modern day Turkey. And in space of two years, Every single person inside of Turkey, Asia Minor, had heard the gospel. Well, many of these places, like the small little town of Colossae, had a group of people that traveled, heard Paul, learned from him, traveled back, and started the church inside of Colossae. The church itself met inside of the house of Philemon. Philemon was a rich uh, landowner who lived in that city and he had opened up his church or his home for the church to meet. Remember that in the first, second, third centuries that the church people didn't have nice buildings like we have today. They would just meet wherever was convenient, wherever they could assemble together. Well, Philemon graciously opened up his house so that the church of Colossae could assemble there together. So Philemon is a very important person. Could you imagine what it would be like to be at a first century? I mean, we're, we're used to church, but back then, 
church is a brand new thing. And the people would come and open up the Bible like I am here. And they would teach people the truths of God's word. They would teach them the story of Jesus Christ. They would teach them some of the Old Testament stories that pointed up to God. And they would assemble together. And that everyone in the house, even if they weren't part of the church, maybe some of the servants, the staff, they would hear quite a bit about it. Well, just because of the influence of the Apostle Paul, even though he didn't start the church, more than often he was probably referred to. Well, we learn from the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul taught us this. In school, we were taught this. And so Paul's name was brought up quite a bit. The pastor's name was Epaphras. Now, we're going to learn more about Epaphras tonight. But Epaphras was the pastor of this church. And Epaphras had to go to Rome to go visit Paul. Twofold reason. First of all, he heard that Paul was in prison and he went to travel to try to encourage Paul. We'll talk more about that later. But in a Roman prison, you were not fed three meals a day. Someone had to go buy the groceries and get it for you or you didn't eat. And so the church here at Colossae said, we love Paul. How about this? We give some money to Epaphras and Epaphras, you go and deliver it. Now there was a second reason why Epaphras went, which is the heart of the book of Colossae, is that a cult had started to form outside in the city of Colossae. And the pastor Epaphras went to go to Paul to say, how do I deal with this? How do I contend? How do I protect these good church folks from that? And so currently present tense in the writing of this, Epaphras is in Rome with the Apostle Paul. Now Philemon's son Archippus is filling in the pulpit as the pastor. He's now teaching the church. So the pastor's gone. Archippus is in his place. The young little preacher boy who's trying to do his best to uh, keep things going, to help encourage people, to help uh, uh, be a blessing, to help point people to the Lord. And so because of this, again, Paul is mentioned quite often. Paul's very important in this story. What is the story? So from the context, we move to what's going on. Philemon being a rich landowner inside of the Roman Empire also had slaves. Now, we understand that slavery is an abomination in any culture in any time. However, it was part of history. Inside of the Roman Empire, 75% of all the people inside of the Roman Empire were slaves. Slavery was just part of the everyday life inside of the Roman Empire. If you could imagine 75% of all (laughs) the population was slaved, very few people were actually freemen And very few people were actually Roman citizens. That's why when you study the book of Acts, when Paul brings up his Roman citizenship, that is a very big thing. Most people were not citizens. Very few people were freemen. Most people were slaves. Now, because the population was so big on slaves, the Roman Empire had to do a lot of things to keep the slave um, (coughs) population under control. What do I mean by that? Not by controlling the population, but controlling the social dynamics. What do I mean by this? Well, if 75% of the population is slaves, what happens if there's a slave revolt? 
And Rome at this time had already put down several slave revolts. In fact, many of us may be familiar with the story of Spartacus, which once again was a big slave revolt that occurred during the historical times of Rome. And Rome realized that they cannot allow slaves to revolt. Now again, we're not promoting slavery. We're just saying the context of what happened in history and the things that went on. Now because of this, a runaway slave under Roman law, was under the penalty of death. They could not allow slaves to go and do whatever they want if they were going to maintain control. They could not have this falling apart. Now, Philemon, who was a landowner in Rome, also had slaves. Now, one of his slaves was a young man by the name of Onesimus. Now Onesimus had heard about the church services, maybe eavesdropped from time to time. He certainly heard the Apostle Paul, but he didn't want any of this. Ah, that's for them. That's not for me. Many slaves uh, had readily accepted Christianity through the Roman Empire, but Onesimus wasn't for him. Everyone else could take it, but it's not for me. He grew up the place where he was not happy at his position. We don't know what occurred to precipitate it. But one day Onesimus said, I'm done with this. I don't want to be here no more. I'm going to flee. I'm going to run. And before he did that, he stole a whole bunch of things from Philemon and took off. Onesimus had a great plan. I need to disappear from all of the, (laughs) from the face of the earth. I need to disappear where no one could find me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get lost in the biggest city in the world at this time, which happens to be the city of Rome. See, I'm going to go into Rome. No one will know me. I have a little bit of finances. I could kind of hold up for a while. Nobody will know who I am. And maybe I can just kind of disappear in the crowd. That was his plan. But isn't it amazing how God has different plans? So Onesimus, who's bitter and mad, not happy about things are going on. He's running away. He's under the sentence of death. Now, can you imagine? (laughs) Most of us can only imagine. You haven't been there, I'm assuming. Where you've been on the run and if anybody catches you, you're under the penalty of death. To know that a death mark is following you wherever you go. Makes you kind of be careful of who you talk to. It makes you kind of careful about who you interact with. You double check the sources. If we were in modern times, are you wearing a wire? Are you FBI? You know, you'd be very worried about the things that are going on. So here's Onesimus and it's starting to wear on him. He's in Rome. He's getting lost. This is not like the small town of Colossae. This is a big place. And there's a lot of people who are needy. A lot of people who are hungry. A lot of people who are down and out. And something happens where Philemon starts to get more and more miserable. And this new life that he got didn't give him happiness. If I could just get a different location, if I could just get a different situation, if I could just get a different house, I'd be happy. How many times people do that? If I could just change my circumstances, it'll make me happy. But the change of circumstances doesn't make you happy. And now here's Onesimus who because of his own doing is under a sentence of death. Because of his own doing, he can't go back home. Because of his own doing, he's now more miserable, lonely, separated than ever before. Then inside of Rome, he hears something. He hears a name that he's only heard. He's never met. He's heard Paul. People are talking about this Paul guy. 
And what's, what's more amazing, Paul is in Rome. He's here at Rome. That's pretty amazing. It's almost like a coincidence, isn't it? That this guy that he had heard about all of his life, this guy that he had been hearing about in the house of Philemon, now is here, this real Paul guy, get to meet him for myself. And we're pretty positive that it took some bravery to go. What do you mean to bravery to go? Because at this time, Paul is under house arrest. And the way that house arrest worked is that 24 hours a day, Paul is chained to a Roman soldier. Now remember that Philemon is a runaway slave under Roman law, under the sentence of death if he is found out. And the guy he wants to get to is chained to Roman soldiers. How do you introduce yourself? I mean, how do I tell him about my problem? And by the way, when you get that desperate and start getting to the preacher, you feel like you got to be honest. I've got to, that probably took a lot of stutter steps. Have you ever got the place where you know you got to go talk to someone, but you keep backing out, you trying to work yourself bravery and you go up, get ready to knock or get ready to call. And well, finally he broke through. He got enough bravery and got to talk to the apostle Paul. He says, I heard about you from my master Philemon and I'm now here at Rome and Mr. Paul, let me tell you about my life. And the Apostle Paul had the privilege of leading Onesimus to the Lord. Onesimus got sweet salvation, forgiveness of his sins because of what Jesus Christ did upon the cross. He was now forgiven, full, free, and forever. I had to take a lot of bravery. And it could have been that the Apostle Paul had already led the soldier to the Lord So the soldier was like, okay, go ahead. (laughs) I'm not going to worry about it. Just tell Paul what you got to tell him. Aren't you glad that Paul was trying to witness to everyone he possibly could? So now Onesimus, because he's so thankful, begins to serve the apostle Paul. Hey, you need something? I'll go run and get it for you. You need something to go take care of? I'll go take care of that. You need me to go send a message? I'll go send a message. So Onesimus became the person. In fact, Paul makes a mention of that. Verse number 13. Whom I would have retained with me that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. So he's saying here that Onesimus had actually been serving the Apostle Paul. But just when you think life is going good, sometimes there's a hiccup. And the reason is, is because God doesn't let us go on. He wants us to make sure that we're thoroughly right with God. So Onesimus, who was the former runaway slave of Philemon is serving Paul. He's in Rome. Nobody knows about his story except for Paul and the Roman soldier that's connected to him. Everything's well. Brand new life. I'm saved. There's a weight off of me. But then something else happens. Paul has another visitor. It happens to be Philemon's pastor, Epaphras. The same pastor who's preached inside of the house of Philemon and started the church. And now Onesimus has to go face to face with someone who knows his background, his story. Now, I don't know when Onesimus broke through with Paul and say, Paul, not only am I a runaway slave, I stole a lot of stuff from Philemon. I just want to clear the air now that Epaphras is there. He he knows my story. I I just thought I'd come clean. 
So the apostle Paul says, well, we got to take care, take care of this. We can't just sweep it under the rug. You need to make sure you're as right with God as you possibly can. That means you need to go back with your master and you need to make things right. Can you imagine Onesimus's stomach kind of drop? That gut punch. I got to go back. I've got to go admit that what I did was wrong. I've got to go get things right. How do I do that? Not only do I got to go take all the dangers to go all the way from Rome, go back over into Asia and travel all that way and not get caught. But then you want me to go the worst thing? I'd rather face a Roman firing squad than go back to my master and admit that I did was wrong and that I stole from him and that I hurt from him. Apostle Paul said, don't worry about that. I'm going to write a letter. And I'm going to give you this letter that will make things right between you and Philemon. I'm going to be what is called a mediator. What is a mediator? A mediator is someone who goes in between two parties to help bring reconciliation. He goes to both of them and says, what do you have to do to be satisfied? What do you have to do to be satisfied? He tries to find that common ground so that way they could come together in reconciliation. And that's what we find the position of the apostle Paul as he's writing this letter to Philemon in concerns to Onesimus. And if you don't mind, let's kind of dive in a little bit more and let's see this letter. Now, Paul starts off by giving a greeting, uh, telling that he's praying for them. Philemon, he appreciates what Philemon has done. He appreciates that Philemon's opened up his house for the church. He says that you've had, you've given me great joy and great love. Uh, and you, you refresh the bowels of others. Now remember, <laughs> the word bowels is the seat of the emotion in the ancient world. Today we say it's our heart, right? That you've broke my heart. In the ancient world, the seat of emotions was in their bowels. Because in the bowels, that's where you have all your feelings at. Everything twists and turns in your bowels. Uh, you, your bowels are the ones that you have deep feelings into. I know it would change all the love songs that we have here. You know, don't tell my bowels, my acre bacon. You know, I've lost my bowels in San Fr You know, we, it changes all the love songs. It just doesn't get the same thing across. But in the ancient world, that was the seat of the emotions, was the bowels. And so he says, you've refreshed the bowels of, of the saints. They've been refreshed by thee, brother. And then Paul begins to go in and get to the heart of the message. Verse 8, wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee in which is convenient, yet for love's sake, I'd rather beseech thee, being as one is Paul the aged and now a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul starts off by saying, listen, Philemon, I'm writing this not as an apostle. I'm not ordering you to do this. What I am doing is I'm asking to beg of you to reasonably give you an argument to persuade you of your own free will to do what I ask. I'm not demanding that you do this. But I'm asking out of your own free will. By the way, aren't you glad that God does that for us? Amen. That he, he, of course, we know there's commandments in the Bible. But when he asks us to serve and do something for him, he wants us to do it out of our own free will. He wants us to choose to serve him. That's why even going to church, going to church is not a mandatory thing where, listen here, you have to go to church. God wants it where we choose to go to church. It's a voluntary thing that we do to 
worship and honor him. Notice if you don't mind as it continues on in verse number 10. I beseech thee, I beg thee for my son Onesimus, whom I begotten in my bonds. Verse 10 says, listen, I led Onesimus to the Lord. He's now my spiritual child. I birthed him. I had the privilege of telling him the truth that Jesus died for his sins and that he personally accepted Christ as his savior. And he's been born again. And I was a spiritual father. I was the one who led him to the Lord. This is my son now. And I'm presenting him to you. Verse number 11, which in times past was to thee unprofitable. Let's pause. Now let's look at it Philemon's side. If you have a servant who's supposed to work for you, who decides not only to quit his job, but steal all your stuff, is that pretty unprofitable? Left a big hole, left a thing. That's an issue. He was unprofitable to Philemon. Philemon was at a loss when this happened. But now that Onesimus has changed, he's also changed in his value. Notice this, which in times past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. He says he's now changed from unprofitable to profitable. May I pause? When God saved us, he didn't get anything special. In fact, we were more trouble than what it was worth. And he still died for me. Do you know that I can never outserve what it costs Jesus Christ to die on the cross? I can never pay God back that debt that I owe him. I can never repay it. I can never. He's always going to be at a loss when he died for me. That's pretty humbling to think. Because sometimes we get to the ego trip where we think that we're God's greatest gift. No, we were a great burden and a great draw. And even today, I still demand God's mercy and need his grace. God's still doing things for me all the time. It wasn't just salvation and that's done. He keeps me moving, keeps me going. He provides salvation. He provides his grace. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He leads us. When I ask God, I need wisdom. He says, here you go. I'm still taking from him. I'm still unprofitable. But God is able to do something with me and make me less unprofitable and make me where I could be a blessing and be a servant even to him. And Onesimus has now changed. At one time, he was a burden. He was a drain. He cost Philemon something. But now, because of the change, he is now profitable. Oh, aren't you glad that God can change anyone from unprofitable to profitable? Where it was a hurt to the Lord And now we're a blessing. Notice as it goes on. Verse number 12. Whom I have uh, sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is mine own bowels. Again, dealing with the idea of emotions. He didn't say I'm sending you part of my bowels. He said I'm sending you for someone I care for deeply. I'm sending him back to you. Verse number 13, which we just read, whom I also have retained with me that in thy stead he might administer to me in the bounds of the gospel. Paul says, listen, I'm giving him up to make sure he does the right thing. I could have used him with me. He could have been a great help. He's been a great help, but I'm sending him to you because I want him to get things right with you. Verse 14, but without thy mind, I would do nothing that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. Paul says, I'm not willing to go against your authority. 
I want you to choose what is right. I'm sending Onesimus back to you. And what you choose to do with him, that's your own business. If you choose to send him back to me, great, wonderful. I'll be glad to have him. If you choose to do something else with him, that's your own business. But I'm not getting in the way. I'm obeying biblical authority. Notice as it goes on verse 15. Uh, verse 14, but without thy mind, I would do nothing that thy benefit should not be as it were a necessity, but willingly for perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest received him forever. Verse 15, he says, listen, could it be that he left, but God had a purpose for it. He wasn't getting saved while he was at your place, but God had to put him on some circumstances now. And now he's able to get receive salvation and go back to you a lot different than when he came. We understand there are treasures in darkness. That the worst thing that happened to Philemon in this case was Onesimus cost him something, took all of his stuff, left. He says, but guess what? God was able to use it. Now he's saved. Now something is different. We can trust God to do a work. Notice again in verse 17. If thou therefore, uh, sorry, Verse 16, now not as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Now that word servant is our literal word of slave. He says, I'm sending you back because he is technically a slave and I'm sending him back because you are technically his owner. But I'm asking that you would receive him not back as property, as a slave. I'm asking that you would have a different relationship with him, that he would now be a brother because now he's your spiritual brother because he's accepted Christ as his savior and you've accepted Christ as your savior. Verse number 17, if thou therefore count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. Now, once again, we see this spiritual idea that we are now having Christ account on us. That the reason why God accepts us is not because of us, but because of Christ's account on us. Not because of us, but because of Christ, God accepts us. Verse 18, if he hath wronged thee or owed thee any ought, put that on mine account. Now, Apostle Paul is saying, listen, if Onesimus owed you anything, you put that on my account. You let me pay for it. I'll take care of that. He'll no longer owe that debt anymore. It's now transferred to me. That's exactly what God did. We owed God a great debt. We owed God the debt of hell, of death. And yet Christ paid that on our behalf. He put that on his account. So we no longer owe that debt anymore. What a wonderful God that we have. <laughs> Verse number 19. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. I will repay it. Paul's saying, I'm doing it with my own hand. I'm letting it down with my own signature. I'll pay it back. I'll pay that debt. He doesn't owe that debt anymore. I'll pay it on his behalf. Howbeit, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self beside. Now, Paul says, now let me tell you something. I led you to the Lord too. I... <laughs> I, I did this work on you. <laughs> You're going to heaven because of this. I want to remind you of that. That should be more willing to accept him. By the way, that should do something for us. That if someone accepts the Lord, we should be more willing to accept them and to try to help them to go through. Because we've been saved too and we were nothing but awful, rotten, horrible sinners when we got saved. 
There was nothing special for God commendeth his love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That carries the idea that we were rotten, no good scoundrels and God died for us anyways. And if God could be patient with us, well, we should be able to be patient with others as well. Notice with me, as it goes on, he says, verse 20, Yea, brother, let me have the joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. He's speaking a lot about bowels all throughout here. Again, it's carrying the seed of emotions here. He says, refresh my bowels. By the way, that's probably not a greeting that you should do to someone today. Hey, you refresh my bowels today. They probably won't understand the biblical speak, all right? But Paul says, listen, it would be a great blessing to me if you would just accept them. If you would just let them be part of your family, if you would just forgive the debt, if you would put it on my account, uh, let's just wipe it clean. You just accept him back. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou would also do more than I say. He says, I'm writing to you because I have no doubt that you pay for this. Now, again, this was a big deal. Onesimus was told to go back to Philemon. How do I go back and tell him? Paul says, I'll, I'll write something down. I know Philemon and I know him well. I led him to the Lord. I'm going to write a letter here and he's going to read this letter and it will help you to get across with him. Paul is being a mediator. He's going between two parties that are under conflict and help settling this account so they could be brought together. What a beautiful picture of what the Lord Jesus Christ did. That here was a time that we were wronged our God. We rebelled against him. We ran away. And because of that, we were under the sentence of death. We owed death in our own bodies. But then we had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ who was our mediator. He was able to go between the two parties, satisfy the payment that was made, say, Take, put it on my account. I will pay whatsoever is owed. And Jesus Christ paid that price for us and became our substitutionary atonement. Then Jesus Christ went to God and said, God, as you satisfied, and we know that God accepted the payment because of the evidence of the resurrection. When Jesus Christ rose again on the third day, it proved two things. It proved that Jesus Christ was indeed God and it proved that God was satisfied with the payment that was made. Then God, Jesus went over to man's side and said, are we satisfied your payment? That I was your redemption. I paid the price that you owed with my blood. I paid the price. Will you agree to the terms? Now, each person has to personally agree to those terms. It's not a universal thing. Each person must individually accept that payment. But when they do, then those two parties who were once at odds and could not come together can now be brought together in what is called reconciliation. Isn't it a beautiful picture of what Jesus Christ did? He was our substitutionary atonement. He was our propitiation. He was our redemption and became our reconciliation. What a wonderful God that we have. That he paid that price for us. That we became, started from unprofitable. And because of what the Lord Jesus Christ did, we became profitable. That we can have some value in the service of the Lord. Not because of us but because of what God did on our behalf. What a wonderful Savior that we have. Beautiful story, isn't it? 
Now, of course, when Philemon is carrying this letter, he's carrying this letter of life. You can imagine this was a precious letter to him to be able to carry it through and say, hand it to his master. Said, before you say anything to me, read this. It had his life sentence on this piece of paper and he was trusted to carry it. That was the most precious thing he could have ever had. Of course, he is also at the same time carrying the letter of Colossae to be able to deliver to the pastor and to that church. He is also probably carrying the letter of F to Ephesus that he also dropped off on his way to Colossae. So he's trusted with some three New Testament letters to travel with. He's very profitable now. Could you imagine to be trusted with those three letters? Those are precious letters. So what happens to old Onesimus? Well, Philemon did accept him and did not only brought him back in the house, but he freed him and said, listen, you're no longer a slave. You're my brethren and gave him freedom. Onesimus did kind of serve with the apostle Paul. And about 50 years later, after this incident, there was a preacher by the name of Ignatius who was the pastor of the church about Antioch. And as he was getting ready to be martyred, he made a reference to a good man who is the pastor of the church of Ephesus. That good man that he made a mention of was Onesimus. Onesimus later on became the pastor of the church of Ephesus. What an amazing story. Here's a man who started off as a slave who grew bitter in life and left his master and stole from the master. He became unprofitable, traveled all the way around, thought he would get away, thought a change of location would make things better, and it didn't. He became more miserable and more hopeless, came to the place where he realized he had a need. And in order to get to the place with the person that had the need, he had to overcome some things, including a soldier that was attached to Paul. But he went to Paul, did what it took to get to the man of God, and there he received the truth of life and he accepted Christ as a savior. He was sent back to his former master with a letter from Paul that said, listen, accept him back and anything that he owes, I'll take. And the master did. He was freed, got some Bible training and became a pastor of one of the most important churches of the first and second century. What an amazing story. And you could summarize it with this phrase, from unprofitable to profitable. You know, there are times that we may feel unprofitable. We know that there was a time we was unprofitable when we didn't know Jesus Christ as our Savior. And we were sinners in need and had a great debt to owe. But we also know that there are times in our life that we just feel unprofitable. Maybe it's because of our inability. Listen, I don't have the ability to do this. I don't have the education. I can't speak in front of people. I don't have the courage to speak in front of people. I don't have the ability to do this. I can't do this. There are a lot of things that make us where we feel unprofitable. But the wonderful thing is that we have a God in heaven in Christ who loves us so very much is that he's able to work in our life and to make us profitable to change us from what we used to be and to change us into something 
(laughs) that we can be later on. What a great God who has transforming power that he could get us where we're seated, clothed in our right minds. He could make us where we were a piece of trash, good to no one. And turn us into something that's usable. If One of the things I love to study is biographies. I've got an office full of biographies. I encourage people to read them. Often in those biographies, you see the same account. Someone who was unprofitable. Who became profitable. Whether it was the drunkard in Chicago who was so addicted to drink, he just could not stop himself. And even though he had a decently paying job, he drank all of his money up. There was a time that his son was deathly sick and the doctor came to see him and said, Sir, your, your, your son is going to die unless he gets this medicine. Take this money. And the, the, the doctor said, I know you don't have anything here. Take this money. Go get the medicine. Go get it right now. Right now. Or your son's going to die. The man took the money and started going towards the pharmacy. But on the way, his favorite bar was there. And the man stopped and went to the bar. And used up all the medicine money for drinking alcohol came back in a drunken stupor and found that his child had passed. Funeral came and someone had bought the child a brand new pair of shoes to wear at the funeral. This drunkard was so hard on himself and said, I'm useless and whatever else. All he could think about was another drink. Took his little dead boy's shoes, went and pawned them and got more drink. He ended up stumbling over to Pacific Garden Missions. And there someone opened the Bible and showed him from the Bible how he could be forgiven of his sins. And that man became a great preacher and worked in Pacific Garden Missions. He went from unprofitable to profitable. You take someone like a Billy Sunday. A Billy Sunday was a professional ball player who was a drunkard. He just wasted all of his uh, life on alcohol, ruining his life and his professional career. He stumbled over at Pacific Garden Mission, got saved and became a powerful evangelist, seeing over one million people walk that old sawdust trail and come to an altar and get saved. You see, all throughout history, we find people like us, unprofitable that came to know Jesus Christ as our Savior and we let God do a work and he changed us to something profitable. You may be at the place right now where you're looking at your circumstances and saying, listen, I don't see how in the world God can use me. I've got this going against me, this going against me, going against me. Let me tell you, we have a God of miracles who could do so much. I could go story after story after story who could... And and to watch what God could do. And it's not because these people said, well, I'm going to try hard. I'm going to try hard. These are people that said, I can't do anything. And God did something. He changed them from unprofitable to profitable. How does that happen? Well, first of all, you need to know Jesus Christ as your personal savior. With that down, there is a surrender. Lord, whatever you want to do with me. However you want to use me, I'm going to say yes to. 
If, Bi if the Bible tells me to do it, I'll say yes. If the preacher gives me to do it, I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to let you change me to something that I never thought I could do. I cannot tell you how many preachers I know that started off that said, I couldn't talk to anybody. I was timid. The thought of crowds scared me to death. There was no way you would ever catch me talking in front of people. And God turned them into great preachers. It's amazing to see what God could do. To take someone who said, I can never talk to anybody about their soul and turn them into great soul winners. It is amazing what God can do. To take someone from unprofitable and to change them to profitable. Maybe this morning there just needs to be a surrender and say, God, I know where I'm at. I know how unprofitable I am. I look in the mirror and I could just tell you, there's no way I could ever be used. But Lord, if you could take something that's rotten and horrible, unprofitable, and you could make something usable, Lord, do that with me. Lord, change me. Make me that instrument, that servant that is profitable to thee. Maybe that's where you need to be at this morning. To go to a place of surrender and say, God, change me. Turn me something that's unprofitable and make me profitable. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.